This is the War on Waste Paradox Conclusion by Lynn Bertain, read by Lynn Bertain. Six months later, I pulled my pickup into the parking lot and took my usual place. As I started to get out, a green battered Volvo station wagon pulled up beside me. It was Dr. Elby. He smiled through the window, gave a brief wave, and opened the door. He reached back into the car and grabbed his briefcase. He stood up and asked if he could walk with me. We headed back to the entrance where Buck squealed his tires as he pulled into the lot and brought the car to an abrupt halt in his place by the dock. He jumped out and yelled at Dr. Elby. Hey, Elby, we did it! Dr. Elby was taken aback and asked Buck, you did what? We got our schedule down for the last three months and haven't been late once. You owe us pizza. Only this time we want Geno's. We're going uptown on you this time. Apparently Dr. Elby had lost a bet to Buck and the shipping crew that they couldn't post a weekly schedule and stick to it every day for three months. Dr. Elby lost, but he didn't seem to mind the expense. Buck and his crew had really become a strong team in the organization. As Dr. Elby and I entered the back door, various guys were coming over to ask Dr. Elby to visit them later in the morning to see some new improvement in their operation. It was amazing. Just six months ago, I thought Quality Pump was dead. The change was dramatic, and you can see that Dr. Elby was proud of what he and Mac had done. It was a real transformation. We talked for a minute and I headed over the team leaders to see if everything was okay for the day. Five teams had been formed around the various different product lines and the whole organization was designed to support these teams. It was amazing. The logic was simple. Define the value-adding work and design the organization around the appropriate work teams that need to optimize profits and quality. It was really simple, and I really understood it. Engineers were no longer obstacles. They worked right along all of us to keep track of the new products as they moved through the system. The improvements in all aspects of the work were going on daily. If we needed to make any new acquisitions of equipment, we studied the market for new equipment, decided the contribution to profit from the acquisition, return on investment payback, and argued our case to the executive staff through the CRB or Tribal Knowledge Council if the acquisition was not in our planned budget. Everyone was enjoying this new environment. However, a couple of guys really didn't like the team business. It turns out the teams expose your weaknesses quickly. Several of the guys couldn't deliver the quality that was needed by one of the teams and ended up being transferred to another team. Mac had mentioned once the teams were, not, were far more severe on non-performers than any other form of management. The team polices itself. Everyone has a job to do and is expected to deliver. If a member of the team needs help, the other members of the team will lobby for support. But if the person is unable or unwilling to hold up his or her end of the defined work, the other members can be ruthless. Tardiness is not tolerated. 
Absentee isn't tolerated, and poor quality is certainly not tolerated. Once the teams agree on its standards, everyone must contribute. There are no excuses. On the other hand, there is no blame. If you need help, ask. And it works out real well. Dr. Elby excused himself and headed up to see Mr. Grimes. As I watched him go to the front office, a number of workers interrupted him to see, show him various improvements. The programmer showed him the new computer and how he could see each job was going in the shop. The assembly group showed him the new table arrangement, and so it went as he walked up to the front. He entered the front office and began to hear various clerks pointing out waste that had been eliminated since his last visit two weeks ago. As he entered Mr. Grimes' office, Roland Diamond was sitting in one of the chairs. He got up to shake Dr. Elby's hand, and Mr. Grimes reached across the table to desk to do the same. They smiled at each other for a second, and Roland said, Dr. Elby, do you know that we've gotten a backlog down and now can deliver 90% of the products in the catalog on two days' notice? We have three months of advance orders and are shipping 100% on time. He was almost out of breath as he gloated. And you know, Dr. Elby, Quality Pump is now a certified supplier to three air conditioning companies with this new product. We have won the last four competitive bids, and we always win after we bring the client to visit the plant. Last week, we had our salesman in Texas bring the client in with a special order and let him follow the product from the receipt of the order to the completion and assembly. It was a special order, and it was handled like clockwork. He was impressed, to say the least, and we got a $1.5 million order as a result. You could tell that Roland was also very excited. Dr. Elby, I have to go, but thanks again. If you need any references, put me at the top of the list, of course, after Mr. Grimes. Roland shook Dr. Elby's hand and headed out the door. Dr. Elby turned to Mr. Grimes, and they both sat down. Mr. Grimes reached into his drawer and pulled out a folder. He placed it on the desk in front of Dr. Elby. He nodded for Dr. Elby to pick it up. As he did so, the phone rang and Mr. Grimes answered it after the second ring. He had a call from a new prospect and had to take it. As he began talk talking, Dr. Elby picked up the folder and began to read. It was really good news. The year in financials were complete. Last year, the company had shown a loss of 9% on sales of $18 million. In the last seven months, the sales had increased and the net revenue for the year was $23.5 million, with a profit of 15%. The most exciting part of the news was the pre-tax profit for the last quarter was 26% of sales, and the last month showed a pre-tax profit of 31%. Inventory was down to $1.4 million, and it was clear that the $1 million level was within reach. There was not, there was not much information on profitability because they, they were trying to get a good handle on the efficiency numbers and the value of the waste on human potential. After about a year, these numbers on profitability might start to make more sense. Mr. Grimes hung up the phone and looked at Dr. Elby. said, pretty good, huh? Dr. Elby looked, looked up and said, not bad, not bad. Where are you going from here? Mr. Grimes said, you know better than me. 
where do I go from here? Calvin seems to be getting things under control. Roland is excited for the first time in a long, long time. Everyone is moving forward with his or her ideas, and I can't think of much more that we can do. Dr. Helpy sat up and he looked at Mr. Grimes with an almost puzzled look, and then he said, So you've created Kansas City, and you've gone about as fur as you can go. Well, I didn't mean that we can't improve, Mr. Grimes said. I mean that our system of continuous improvement seems to be working. I know we need to keep it going, and we need to set new goals for ourselves. But I know that we are all focused and are all going in the same direction, Jack. I've been thinking about this since we started this project. It's clear to me that we've been able to get the whole organization from the bottom up to support the suggestions for improvement. Most of those ideas were from our own employees who implemented the suggestions for improvement that they developed themselves. The ideas were their own, and they made them work. That much is clear. But I guess I'm amazed at just how quickly and efficiently the whole process worked. Why is that? Dr. Elby smiled and responded, You know the answer, and I'm surprised that you even asked me. We've talked about it before. Mr. Grimes acknowledged the previous discussion went on. I know that, and you said that I'd have a hard time believing it so easy. It was so easy. I guess you were looking for the basis of our discussion of over six months ago when we discussed the war on waste paradox. I remember you saying that this process works for a number of reasons, but one was that this process attended to the system, the business system as a whole. You didn't just analyze manufacturing or sales or engineering. You treated them as a system and dealt with that. But is it really that simple? Dr. Elby sort of sighed. I guess it is in a way. Most consulting approaches, approaches isolate one or the other of the departments, and solutions that arise out of those pro programs are defined as best practices. By attending to the whole system, everyone is drawn into the process at the same time and singular issues are seen for what they really are, problems with the whole system. Most efforts to change an organization's performance are rarely based on a system view. Instead, the emphasis is on improving production, reducing inventory, increasing quality, without a plan to treat all the interacting aspects of the organization that affect the target issue, group, or function. We believe this won't be truly effective because no group or function operates in a vacuum and no problem affects only a portion of the organization. Max thinks of this in a sports team analogy. It wouldn't make sense to say that you're going to improve the passing game on a football team by working only with the blocking backs. You could, of course, work with the whole team, but working... You would, of course, work with the whole team to change the way all parts of the team function in passing situation. And that's what we do. We work with the whole organization. And that's why we mix the classes up the way we did. Thus, we always begin our work with clients by helping everyone in the organization understand how the system currently works. That could mean, for example, that in a manufacturing company would begin by exploring with everyone, 
present what happens step by step from the moment a customer calls about a prospective order. At the moment that a check arrives to pay for the completed products, that is what we did with the process map. We have yet to find a single company in which anyone, including managers, understood all the steps that took place. Most of the time, three or four steps appear in there that no one knew about, except the people that were performing them. Until the existing system is understood, changing it is a real struggle. And again, that's what we found here. Mr. Grimes looked, looked at Dr. Elby and said, I'm just amazed at this conversation. First of all, I'm enjoying it, but six months ago, I would have cut you off so that I'll, I could get back to work. I have to admit that it really is an odd thing for me. It's an odd thing, really, what you do. I never would have thought of approaching business improvement by focusing on the work and not on the people. My wife was telling me the other day that she had seen a show on television that discussed the same issue from the perspective of a psychiatrist who was treating disturbed people. His observation was that it was easier to treat, to treat the surroundings of the disturbed individual, including the patient's support group at home, than it was the individual. As she told me this, I could see the similarity of what happened to quality pumps. You dealt with the work environment and the desired behavior of the employees followed. I was surprised during the training that there was so much tribal knowledge that got exposed. You know, I really didn't realize there was so much of it in our system. Is that typical? Dr. Elby responded, You know now where most of the issues were and who were the controllers of that tribal knowledge. The jig's up for them. But as time goes on, new tribal knowledge will evolve. It always does. But what is interesting is that the work teams are good at minimizing this because they communicate issues so well. I like to tell people that today's solution is tomorrow's problem. In the case of tribal knowledge process creep, a variation of it will come back. Part of the reason the tribal knowledge process creep arises in the first place is that employees encounter a situation that the operations process was not designed to deal with, and so the employees improvise to get the product out the door before it is, becomes entrenched knowledge and becomes part of the real process, not the posted one. So you just have to trust the employees that they are participating in a Kaizen operation of continuous improvement that will react with the market and the conditions that are thrown at them. If we have taught the employees anything, when they see a problem with the process, they fix it informally and then ultimately integrate it formally into the procedures before it becomes tribal knowledge. Dr. Elby responded, Ideally, yes, but in fact, no. We're dealing with human nature. The effort to improve the organization's performance must begin with clarity as to the right work to do. Everything else should flow from that revelation. First, determine the way the system flows, then pinpoint the ways, the activities that add no value, and then mount a campaign to eliminate all waste in the system. As the value-adding process is clarified, the work itself then dictates the roles, tasks, jobs, relationships, and yes, even behavior that must support the right work. 
So when someone is reacted to a problem by creating a momentary fix to deal with the issue, there are enough eyes in the process to detect that. However, as is often the case, stuff happens. But what is unique about this process is that the stuff that happens again, when it happens, someone will notice. In the previous work environment, the stuff that happened occurred over and over and over again, and it soon became tribal knowledge process creep. But the work culture that we're trying to create, the hiccups in the process, are quickly reeled in to understand the root cause of the problem, and it becomes fixed before it can become tribal knowledge process creep. Dr. Help, he started to get up, but he stopped. You know, John, I don't care what I've ever said. There's only one thing you need to remember from our discussion, and that is respect for your employees. Trust them to do what's right for this company. As long as you do that, and they know you are respecting them, your business will do just fine. Dr. Elby got up, shook Mr. Grimes' hand, and left. That's the end of the reading for the Tribal Knowledge Paradox. And this is Lynn Bertain thanking you for taking the time to listen.